Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Wednesday afternoon from Nashville. Radio Row and SEC Media Days. This is day number three alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. The show every single day originates from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two great, fantastic, wonderful 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Love to hear from you. We will open up the ceasefire text line and uh, get to your messages as we are able. But I will warn you in advance, we've got a lot of content for you this afternoon. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash business. Alabama in the house today, as was Arkansas, Florida Gators, and Kentucky. The Kentucky Wildcats. Nick Saban has changed. He's changed. He's looser. He's but apparently he's always been behind the scenes engaging and funny. And when, when you recruit as well as he has, I'm sure that adds up. But that that is spilling out over into to this arena where years ago, I mean, he was just such a, uh, such a grump. And, I mean, he talked about his vacation to Italy and said those guys that over there, they don't even speak English, and now still getting roll tides and uh, – a lot more relaxed, and I don't know what to make of it. Is he is he losing that edge, or is he adapting? I don't know, but that stood out to me the most today, listening to Nick Saban. He was funny, and I I don't hear funny from him very often. Maria Dirolio. Or do you think they said Roll Tide in English? No, he said they, they said roll the English version of Roll Tide, but they couldn't speak any other English, but they knew how to tell Alabama's football coach Roll Tide. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great, though, if they were just coming up to him going, Marie Di Rolio! Got to throw the hand gesture in there, too. Yeah. There it is. Oh, you speak English? Nope, just uh, Roll Tide and this phrase explaining it. Yes, in, in, <laughs> indeed. Uh, indeed. Okay. Uh, so you, you think kinder, gentler Nick Saban is good or bad for the rest of the SEC? Uh, really bad. <laughs> That's what I agree with that. I agree 100%. It's like it's like when your mom's like, now, honey, what did you do? And you know the, the belt's coming. 
You know, the, the thing with, with Nick Saban and Alabama teams, you, um, you've heard people say, I, when Nick Saban comes to media days in a good mood, that's bad news for everybody else. But the fact is, has he really ever come when he was in that bad of a mood? Because it's not like he's really, for the last 15 years, gone back home to a terrible team. True. So yeah. I don't know what it means. He probably loves the fact that people are sitting here calling his team an underdog. Oh, I agree 100% He, with he that. loves what's going on here this week. He loves the LSU love. He loves the Georgia love. Because he can, he gets to go and meet with his team, I assume, tomorrow and say, you want to you know what I heard when I was walking around there? Which he would lie. <laughs> you guys you guys aren't even going to win your division. Well, you he may have heard that. Uh, but if he had talked to me, he would have. Yeah, uh, you, you, you guys aren't even the third best team in the. Uh, I mean, heck, people think that Texas A and M's going to beat you, and, and Georgia's going to just run through this thing, and LSU's going to beat you, and you guys, you're not even close. What if all that's those people are right though? Ooh, buddy, and that—that's what makes Alabama. For the first time, I'm actually interested in Alabama and whether or not they're going to be good. For years, it's it's bored me because them being at the top of college football is. It's boring at this point. Let somebody else have a turn. But as we say all the time, that was a down year in which they won 11 games. However, a better play call loses to Texas A&M. A completed pass to Jonathan Mingo over the middle loses to Ole Miss. A missed field goal loses to Texas. And off of that team is... A Heisman Trophy winner, 1-1 quarterback, one of the best defensive players in recent SEC football history, a bunch of other guys as well, and both of his coordinators. And I know every year Alabama, just they just recycle and recycle and recycle. But that's what they were a year ago, and they lost all those things. It's not like they were a championship-dominating force and then lost all those things. It, it feels a little bit different now. It does. But counting him out also feels stupid. It's a weird place to be. I mean, I'm not counting them out. Yeah, I have LSU winning the, the West. But if Alabama wins the national title, I'm not going to look at it and go, oh, yeah, I'm totally surprised by that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not. Alabama is still incredibly talented. The blue chip ratio had them, I went back and looked, 91% of their roster Jeez. is four- and five-star players. If they had an established quarterback, I think – a lot of this talk would go away, and if if, if you knew for sure who the quarterback was going to be, it doesn't even. When I say established, I don't even mean in terms of you've seen him play, because two years ago when Bryce Young was coming in, we were like, well, that kid is super talented. He was the number one recruit in the country. You know, they'll be fine. If if Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow had just won that job, we would all be saying something different. I think, but because there's this uncertainty at the most important position. You know, right now Alabama's just not getting the benefit of the doubt. He is not in a rush, by the way. He was asked about that and basically said they've had spring practice. They've had no time. What do yeah. you? We'll name a quarterback when we get there, but we got a long time between now and then. Our coverage of SEC Media Days is brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi, can help you look your best this fall. When you go to the stadium, make sure it's in collegiate, uh, part of the collegiate collection from Genteel. Great looking logos on golf shirts and pullovers and more. That's at Genteel Apparel. 
Nick Saban talked about some uh, culinary preferences, but he yes. started out by talking about Grandma Saban um, and cake yeah, and quarterbacks. That's right. That's right. Grandma Saban used to bake the best cakes in the world, Nick Saban said. I used to stand by the oven when I was a kid and say, when's this cake going to be done? When's this cake going to be done? And she would point out to him that he needed to be patient. She said, quote, if I don't let it go through and take it out of the oven too soon, it's going to turn to mush. So it won't be a really good cake. How does that relate to Alabama's quarterbacks? I think we've got to sort of let this develop. Let the cake bake until somebody separates themselves. All the players are working hard. They all have a good attitude, and they are all competing well. When you you stick a toothpick in one of the quarterbacks that comes out clean, that's the starter. We're focusing on how do we develop the players that we have. We want to develop all the players. Everybody wants to know who the starter is. What about the backup guy who has to go in and play? Jalen Milrow did it last year against A&M, how he finished the Arkansas game. It's important that all these guys continue to develop, and everybody at that position develops into where they can play winning football. I use the cake analogy because it's not done yet. There's not a decision to be made at this point in time, nor are we ready to make that decision at this time until somebody separates themselves. And for the record... Nick Saban's favorite cake? Mm-hmm. Carrot cake. I thought my joke was funny. You just totally no-sold me. Oh, no, no. I just let it hang. I was <laughs> okay. just letting it hang. That, that's a no-sell. You just no-sold me. Ah, it's okay. All right. Uh, that being said. What it, part of the body would you stick the toothpick in? I think we're going with some arm. Won't, oh. hurt, won't hurt too much. Oh, really? If, really? If I jab a toothpick into your as arm. As opposed to your face. Deep enough to figure out where you're, whether or not you're done on the inside. And I, mean, I pull well, it out. There's no good place. Maybe you, go, with, you really me, I, with me, I got a little extra room down here if you want to work with. You got a little extra gut down here. You can just pop Let, it in there. Less of it than you used to. Yeah, I know. I know. But I still got it. Yeah. So, yeah. That being said, carrot I'm cake. I'm taking a step back this week, huh? Yesterday was 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 a, tar, a hard day. Have you eat, eaten well? And have had I've eaten well to today, walk. though. I'm going healthy today. Okay. A little baked go. chicken today. I'm, I'm good so far. Ugh. Okay. What's wrong with baked chicken? Hey. It better be good. It was good. Okay. It was good. Uh, carrot cake is very good. It's all about the icing. Yeah. I'm kind of a no pecans in my carrot cake guy. What about raisins? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Not too many. No, no. Yeah, I don't want a raisin some. cake. No. Yeah, some. Houston concurs on carrot cake. No? Oh, he hates raisins. Uh, no raisins. Okay with the carrot cake, but he wants pecans in it. So basically, what we're learning here is that if someone wants to bake us a carrot cake, they got to bake like three different carrot cakes. I mean, no I'll, pecans, I'll no eat. raisins, and I want pecans and raisins. I'll eat whatever's in front of me. Okay. Forky carrot cake? Yes, no. I haven't had a bad one. I don't think. All depends huh? on the icing, right? The icing is the key. Icing sells it. It's yeah. The key. It's the cream cheese icing. Yes. Oh, oh, so good. Not a big raisin guy though. So okay, so so you, you took and, grapes and made them worse. Houston and, and Borky can eat the same cake. We have a significant amount of ground to cover with you over the course of the show this afternoon. Uh, we are going to visit with Ryan Brown from Jocks in... No. Oh, wow. I can't believe I did that to him. My bad. I'm going to go find him. Yeah, let's just not tell him. Ryan. Ryan Brown from the next round. Uh, our friend will talk some Alabama with him. A little bit of Auburn mixed in also. The commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, and many, many more. All guests on the Farm Bureau guest line. 
Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Day three of SEC Media Days from Radio Row in Nashville. Back after this, our coverage presented by Genteel Apparel. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Watching live on Super Talk uh, TV, and you're wondering why do the three guys? What are they? They look like they saw something. It's because we just watched Richard Cross make his projections, and he's got Missouri fourth in the East. What's going on, buddy? Head of Kentucky, too. buddy. Are you okay? All right, are you in a cardiac uh, emergency? No. I am. You got uh, enough bre- blood to the brain. He, he I, saw I, Eli's shoes, and then it, Eli's shoes. He was like fourth. I, I should have picked him eighth for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and put him behind Oklahoma. I mean, it's like I think they might win in spite of him. <laughs> what a schmuck! And yet, and fourth, yet. and yet, uh, you know, close only counts in a couple of things. But man, they were really close to having a good season last year. And I know that they counts were. for nothing, but they were. It's not like everybody beat them I, down. Like I a tend drop. to. I always say when a team's like Nebraska, these last few years they've lost. I didn't pick them second, by I the know, way, but fourth is still high. I, I I always think like it's because they just don't know how to win. Yeah, you know, and I feel like it's it's not unlucky. It's unlucky to lose one close game. It's not unlucky to lose five close games. It means you don't know how to win close games. It's a, that's a flaw. You know how sometimes you can just talk yourself into things, oh, and you're not really sure why? Buddy, just, every day of my life. I'm, the, I'm like that with Kentucky. I, I have, I guess it's listening to people and then reminding myself of how good Devin Leary was, as we said yesterday, but for some reason I yeah, feel like... Yeah, but he's not going to stay healthy. Hey, you that, just told us... <laughs> In an interview that will air at another time, he's going to be healthy the whole year. Yeah, no. I, I talked to maybe, some medical people, but they changed, they changed their <laughs> minds. Their mind since whatever, the interview? Whatever doctor he had in 2021 will we'll keep him healthy yeah. this year. But I've talked myself into to Kentucky being third. And, and honestly, oh, well, look at you. I, I mean, nobody's going to challenge Georgia, but they could challenge for second. No. Not right. You, should I, should the hot takes is, are just flying here on Radio Row right this second. So, so I feel like I should just kind of give you my my SEC Eastern Division order. Don't give the West unless you want the text line to blow no, up. No, I will. I, do I don't mind the text doing line it. to blow up. That's okay. exactly what we want. My East, anger. Eastern yeah. Division predicted order of finish: Georgia one. Yeah. Nobody's going to. Nobody went out on a limb there. Nobody's going to argue. Uh, Tennessee two. South Carolina three. Sure. Missouri four, mm-hmm. Kentucky five, Florida six, Vanderbilt seven. I really could have thrown you uh, thrown you guys for a loop if I had bumped Florida up a couple of notches. That would have done it. Yeah, yeah. You and I both have Florida sixth. I want to talk myself into Vanderbilt not having the worst record in the SEC so bad. Mm-hmm. I, I want to believe. I want to believe because they can do that. Like that 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 is not something that is ridiculous to say that is they Clark won't Lee have the still worst hanging around. Let's get him on. No, he's not, but Jimbo was yesterday. He was still here. He was still here. He's taking in the sights. Uh my Western Division, LSU won. Mm-hmm. 
Alabama two. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss three. Oh. You know, I've actually heard from three. other people yeah. that they're putting Ole Miss third. Like, I, I, I've heard that a lot just kind of walking yeah. around. A lot, a lot of people did that last year, and you saw it happen. Texas A&M four. Oh. Arkansas five. Mississippi State six. Oh. Auburn seven. How many times we got to teach you this lesson, old man? Hey, do you just, like, trumpet the party line? I'm just saying. It's every year. I, I didn't pick them what seventh. Is it, eight out of the last 13? Isn't that the number? I mean, it may be more than that. I mean, it's like when Andy Kennedy was the basketball coach at Ole Miss. I mean, there was a note that Ole Miss has finished ahead of its predicted order of finish nine in the last 11 years. I get it. Why don't you, just, why don't you get on ba- the bandwagon of being right? Just be like, you know what? This where, year, right, I'm going to say four. All right, so where are you putting four, state? Fourth. You got him fourth. Yeah. Okay. It is not – so in years past, I understand why state fans have gripes. I do. Like, I get it. Being perpetually disrespected and then overachieving and then the and still getting ranked where they are is frustrating. But at least there is justification for it. When you have no idea what a Zach Arnett coach team – I know he coached the bowl game, but that was Mike Leach's team. This is now Zach Arnett's team and his system and a new offense, adding tight ends who – all that. When you have no idea, you err on the side of, in the SEC West, it may not work perfectly right away. And that, that is a justifiable position to take. doesn't mean they're right, but at least there's there's a logical backing to they might take a step back because Mike Leach is not there anymore and he overachieved for two decades as a coach. I will readily admit mm-hmm. that there's a lot of shuffling. Not just with Mississippi State mm-hmm. is in that Western Division prediction. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss could be seventh. They could be sixth, be fifth, fourth. I mean, I, I feel think like any seventh. of those I feel spots. like seventh is a stretch for Ole Miss. Texas A&M could very well be second in the SEC West. They could. A&M, they could also collapse. They could. I mean, really collapse. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a full-on five-alarm disaster. I think it's just going to be a ho-hum four-and-four in the... For a conference, yeah, yeah. I have a And M third. I, have, I think they'll go nine and three, but they'll lose one that's just inexplicable. But they'll definitely lose to Alabama and LSU. Is there an undefeated team in the SEC West in no. conference play? In yes, conference LSU, play. LSU, no. LSU. Yes. I, I think the answer is no. I think the Western Division champion will have either one or two losses, like last year. So who does LSU lose to in the conference? Because obviously you're going to have to have them beat Alabama to be ahead of them in the West. Yeah. I mean, A&M beat them like a drum a year ago. Yeah. Beat them like a drum. That, that makes me – the game's in Baton Rouge this year. you got to think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, is that one of Auburn's two wins? Does Auburn somehow randomly pick LSU off on a weird day? Freeze will win one he's not supposed to. They can lose in Tuscaloosa. And, and I don't think it's hey, going to happen. Them in Oxford? What if that game's at night in Oxford and Ole Miss, great atmosphere, great crowd, mm-hmm. gets an inspired defensive effort, goes out and plays well offensively, and boom, Ole Miss knocks LSU I, off I mean, in Oxford. It, if Mississippi State's as good as as one Brian Haydad thinks they're they're going to be, going to Starkville and playing is not. It's not just one. I'm sure there are others. There are others. There absolutely. are dozens of us. Dozens. Dozens. But, I mean, could you honestly, would you truly be surprised if they went on the road to either Mississippi school this year and lost? Would that really surprise no. you? No. no. And they have to go to Richard's uh, favorite, Missouri. <laughs> oh, I. Th- 
<laughs> you realize that's the running joke for like the next three months. And God forbid and, and they're not good. We're going to keep moving Missouri up too. All, right uh, now they're fourth. If Missouri's and bad. It's going to be like, well, my Richard thought they were going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When in reality they're like in six and six range yeah. for them, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they I can mean, lose a few games. <laughs> six and six might be good enough for fourth. They really might be. You're not, you're not wrong. And he might get another extension and another million dollar raise for it. You know, that's good does. work if you can get hey, it. Hey, yeah, also, I picked Georgia as the SEC champion. Probably, probably the wise move. Yeah, I, safe bet. I went with that as well. I think they're pretty good. Yeah, they're 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 a solid football team. So the better question is, do they lose again? No, not on that schedule. No. Eleven and a half. What would you? I, I would mean, take the over. here, Richard. Here's a hundred bucks. Eleven and a half on First Georgia. Off, that's chicken feed. To Richard Cross. I mean, he's just like, what? What am I supposed to do with uh, this? Uh, let me rephrase that. Like Your you last one hundred. Hold the hundred. <laughs> I'll take it. The yeah. stock portfolio collapses your last 100 over or under 11 and a half. The, the, the remaining hedge fund that you have left, you and Axe. Their most difficult game is at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their second most difficult game is hosting Ole Miss. Uh, oh, Going where, to Jordan Hare is really difficult. Where do they play South Carolina? In Columbia, or excuse me, excuse me, in, in Athens, Athens, week three. It's it's South Carolina over Ole Miss, in my opinion. South Carolina, and I say that because in what the, South Carolina has always found a way to be a thorn in Georgia's side. They they've won some games they should not have won. Like once, no more than once. No, they're the games are always close and they're competitive and they're kind of weird, but they've only won like one of them. Okay, they're both in I don't Athens. Think that's right, but that's which okay. roster would you take? They're both. So but both of those games are in Athens. Whose roster would I take? Uh, Ole Miss or South oh, Carolina. Okay. The entire roster, whose roster would you take? I know you guys are looking at me like when I say South Carolina. But, but I mean, South Carolina has a lot better defensive options, I think, than does Ole Miss. I would rather have Dart and Judkins, How do you though. know? You hadn't seen Ole Miss play defense this year. You know what? Just call me crazy. Call, call me, call me a lunatic. They added some pieces. They did, they did, but none of those guys have played in the SEC. And, and here's the thing: that defense, statistically, mm-hmm. was not as bad last year as it gets credit for. It was kind of like a like no. an eighth place defense in the SEC. No, but in in the games that mattered, they were terrible. Whereas in the games against Georgia Tech and Kentucky and Vanderbilt, they were good. Well, they were. Good defensively against Alabama in that game. They're good. And when, pretty when, good. when Ole Miss lost to Alabama, and right, wrong, right, wrong, or indifferent, when Ole Miss lost that game to Alabama last year, the season changed. Arkansas, that game just taints everything. Like the way Arkansas it does. Just it does. up and down the field. And there was so much going on that week. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I think. I heard Kiffin was thinking about going to Auburn. Ryan Brown will join us. It's the second time today somebody has said something about Kiffin going to Auburn. We may, somebody I've else made a heard. joke about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan Brown from the next round will join us coming up on the Farm Bureau guest line. We are coming to you from SEC Media Days on Radio Row. This is day three at Alabama and Arkansas, Florida, and Kentucky here today. We're back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, our coverage from Media Days, presented by Genteel.
you can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi from SEC Media Days. One of our good friends, Ryan Brown, who is a regular, usually on the phone, although he's a good for video, gets to sit down with us. Good to see yeah, you, man. It's always good to see you in person. How you been, Richard? Good. 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 We're close, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, we've got this theory on our show that the older you get, the faster time goes because the more time you, I, I don't know, I get like, I get stuck in this, in this explanation. But if you've lived more time, Time seems shorter to you, right? So when you're a kid, you haven't lived much time, so the summer seems like it lasts forever. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. But, it it, does. It, but it feels like the older I get, the quicker we get to football. When I was a kid, it felt like it took forever to get to football season. And now, here we are, you know, what are we, 40 days away? 40-ish days away? And, and looking back, it feels like the summer, like all of those memories, like just stretched out oh, I know. months and months and I months. Know. And now it's we get like two and a half months. <laughs> and like, I know. I feel like I was out of school longer than my kids were. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it felt that way when I was a kid. I and, know that. and the funny thing is, once you get to the 4th of July, it's like the summer's over. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and especially once you get to this event, the summer is over. Yeah, no, no question about that. So two pretty fascinating teams in your home state mm-hmm. of Alabama. Um, let, let's start with Alabama, uh, because there are some that are maybe easing onto the ledge of this Alabama team, maybe not <laughs> quite as much. And I feel like there's trepidation anytime yeah. you go down that road. But the reality is they lost a lot off of a team that was expected to be really good and by Alabama standards underachieved a year ago. And we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I mean, it, it feels like every time you doubt Nick Saban, you right. regret doubting him, right? But there's always been those times where, for whatever reason, that doubt creeps in. And I think this is one of those times. I mean, I think people look at it, there's not an obvious quarterback. You're replacing both coordinators. You're coming off what, by Alabama standards, is a very disappointing year. You did not go to the college football playoff. You didn't play for the SEC championship. They lost two games um, to rivals Tennessee and LSU. I mean, it was a disappointing season by Nick Saban's standards for Alabama. There, there have been years where the season Alabama had would have been okay, but not, yeah. not based on what their tastes are now. So, I mean, it's a natural time maybe to doubt him. And you doubt him at your own peril. But, I mean, the truth is at some point it, it's going to stop, right? I mean, he's not going to be able to pump the type of teams that he's pumped out forever. You so, so is that now? I mean, yeah, you would think. But every time somebody has said, all right, now, I mean, so people in your state will remember this. And 14 and 15, when Ole Miss won those two games against Alabama, right? there were a lot of people that were lined up in both those years to write Alabama off and say it was over. Especially in 2015. I remember. Yep. So that was like an 8 o'clock kick. And late, the game late. lasted forever. It was yep. almost midnight when it ended. Five Alabama turnovers. They started the wrong, you know, they started Cooper Bateman instead of Jake Coker, if you remember. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like four in the morning when we got back to Oxford. <laughs> yeah. But the post-game show and the post-game call-in show on the radio lasted forever. And yep. I could not believe what I was hearing with the number yep. of people like, you know, is it time? Is it time to move on? Has it moved past him? I think that team went on to win a national championship. Uh, they did because – so, and there are some similarities, some similarities. So, uh, in 14, Alabama had lost at Ole Miss um, late in the game, like right. 24-23, Right. But Blake Sims had had a good year, took Alabama to the playoffs, but they lost to Ohio State, who went on to, you know, win the championship, obviously, sure. lost in the playoffs. You come back that year and there wasn't an that was obvious first year starter. of the college football playoffs. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. first year of the Cornel college football Jones came That's in right, you had, um, Oregon won, uh, out in the rows against Florida State. Alabama yeah. lost the sugar to, uh, to Ohio State. 
So you come into the next year, and there's no obvious starter. You've got a transfer in and Jake Coker out of Florida State. Nobody really knows. Blake Sims had moved on. And there was some question about quarterback. Alabama, you know, Lane Kiffin was entering his second year. And when it got to that Ole Miss game, uh, Lane Kiffin was not a Jake Coker fan. And Alabama started Cooper Bateman, and it was a big mistake. And they realized it. Coker took back over in that game, and they wouldn't lose again. And Coker, you know, by Alabama quarterback standards now, wasn't great. But Coker had a really, really good year, especially in the playoffs. So there are kind of some similarities between 14 and 15 and where Alabama is now. To me, one of the the, the reasons that maybe you go, well, well, possibly not this year, is it feels like there is a legitimate contender in the West. Yeah. Not named Alabama. Yep. That's LSU, obviously, with Jaden Daniels coming back, maybe the best player in the country, and Harold Perkins on yep. the defensive side, healthier, a lot of depth at wide receiver. I'm not sure what they're going to do at running back. I, I don't know if it matters. And LSU beat Alabama. That's right, year. yeah. Uh, and beat, I mean, beat them in, you know, inter- interesting fashion. It was a game Alabama, you know, they played poorly, but LSU had a lot to do with that. Uh, goes to overtime, Alabama scores, and LSU, to Brian Kelly's credit, they played for the win and, and went for two and won the game. Um, yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of reason to think LSU. I, I'm a fan of Brian Kelly. I, in our state, I don't know about you guys, but in our state, some of this is because of Alabama's long-seated hatred for Notre Dame. Alabama, Notre Dame, yeah. Alabama fans hate Notre Dame because, and these are primarily old-school Alabama fans, Bear Bryant never beat Notre Dame. Bear Bryant was like, oh, oh wow. yeah, he was like, oh, oh, and five, I think, against Notre Dame. And that was always like the one thing that stuck in Alabama fans' brawls about Notre Dame is that Bryant never beat them. So there's this, especially old school Alabama fans hate Notre Dame. So they've raised their kids to hate them too. So I think <laughs> that's the way our state works. You know that. Because of that massive Catholic population. Yeah, exactly, in right? So I, I think in our state, there's this hatred for Notre Dame, which I think affects how people feel about Brian Kelly. So he's kind of a polarizing guy. In our audience, I, I think Brian Kelly's a phenomenal football coach. So I don't get a ton right in terms of predictions. Right, me neither. When Ed Ogeron, we, we knew he wasn't coming back yeah. for another year. That happened during the season. Right. Um, I said on our show, guys, you know who I'd hire? They're like, who? He's like, Brian Kelly. Yeah. They're like, wait, what? Yeah. I was like, think about it. He's the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame. That's right. He's done everything but yep. win a championship. Why not take a guy that has done everything with resources less than what you're going to have in Baton Rouge? Yep. Turns out, you know, I got yeah. the feeling that. Yeah, I mean, but you're, I mean, you were spot on, and I and and I felt the same way about him. I can't remember if I said that when Notre Dame uh, or when uh, LSU opened up, but I mean, it made sense, and yeah. I think it's a I, it's a great hire. He's an excellent coach. You're right. They've got all the tools to beat Alabama. If the game were in Baton Rouge. I think LSU would be the prohibitive favorite for a lot of people to win this. I think because the game's in Tuscaloosa, sure. you know, LSU is now, Orgeron won a game there, but LSU hasn't performed as well in Tuscaloosa. So you do, I think, have to press the brakes there a little bit. You know, Alabama fans, we, we talked about this on the show last week. Have they, They've had the whole leaving early thing, and it's frustrated Nick Saban, and just kind of bored with winning. If you're buying season tickets to Alabama this year, it's like this year is the payoff because the home schedule is crazy in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, when you got Texas coming in at a conference, yeah. you, I mean, you've got LSU, which could be the biggest game in the SEC this year. I don't know. I mean, you look at it, and you know, it's it's in all likelihood going to be for the West. The last time we ever, you know, have a West division representative. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you got just Texas and LSU coming in, in in the same year, I mean, that is that that alone is worth it to buy the tickets. Yeah. But you know, the Ole Miss game uh, has turned into a very interesting game between you know Nick Saban. And Lane Kiffin, and then you add in Pete Golding. I mean, there's some really interesting storylines there. 
You're absolutely right. If you buy season tickets at Alabama, you've had some boring years. There's no doubt. I mean, those games have been blowout wins, a lot of them. This year feels a little bit different. I mean, the way that Texas game went last year and the way the uh, the LSU game went last year. Sure. Feels like those are going to be better games. Visiting with Ryan Brown from the next round at Sports Talk Mississippi Live at SEC Media Days. So if you fill out a ballot, I don't know if you do or not, for the predicted order of finish, you stick it with Alabama at one in the West? I think so. Um, some of that is buying brand, buying that Alabama brand. Some of it is the fact that that game is in Tuscaloosa. So now, you know, if everything goes perfect for each team, if it goes perfect for LSU, Alabama's got to find two losses there. So if they beat LSU, where are those other two losses in conference? I mean, they could lose to Texas, obviously. That's out of conference. It's hard when you start looking at that and saying, all right, I got to find two Alabama losses. That's hard to, hard to sell. I mean, Texas A&M almost beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. That game's in College Station. Ole Miss almost beat Alabama and Oxford. That game's in Brian Denny. The Iron Bowl, when it is in Auburn, is always unpredictable. Right. I mean, that game in Auburn is the least predictable game of the college football season. And then on top of that, you got Hugh Freeze in year one. And you just feel like by the time that game rolls around, he'll probably have something. So you can find the losses. It's just hard for me to sit down and say, okay, if Alabama wins that game in Tuscaloosa, there's loss one, there's loss two, I'm picking LSU. Yeah. And then it's got to go perfect for LSU, too. Right. You know, they can't drop another conference game. And there there's some potential landmines on that schedule for them. What's your level of confidence that Tyler Buckner is the starting quarterback? <laughs> I have no level of confidence in that. If you made me pick today, like if you were holding my family hostage and I had to get it right, it just makes sense that, Tommy Reese comes in, takes the job, scans the landscape, and says, I'm not crazy. All right. I mean, Ty Simpson, maybe he develops. Everything I've heard about Milrow is they love everything about him except the fact he turns the ball over. And mo it's true of most any coach. It's exceptionally true of Nick Saban. If you're going to turn the ball over on offense, you're not going to play quarterback. You're not going to put his defense in a bad spot on the field. And, um, you know, it just feels like that Tommy Reese came in and he scanned the landscape, didn't like what he saw, so he went and got a guy he was comfortable with. Buckner obviously didn't perform amazingly at Notre Dame, but you know he was hurt a lot too. I, I, I did look at this. I think it was Connor O'Garro Saturday Down South did the article about the one year he was actually healthy. The one year he was actually healthy in high school, he had like six thousand total yards and eighty some odd touchdowns. I mean, it was crazy. So the guy's got he's got it in him. It's just keeping him healthy and and, and being able to pull it out with the talent he'll have around him in Tuscaloosa, too. I said we talk about Alabama and Auburn. We've exclusively talked about Alabama. Auburn probably feels like that happens all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> we hear it a lot. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we will talk a little bit about the Auburn Tigers with Ryan Brown from the next round. It's SEC Media Days in Nashville this year. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Super Talk Mississippi. A little bit more time with Ryan Brown at SEC Media Days at Sports Talk Mississippi. You can text the show, ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. 
So Auburn this year. I think back to 1999, Tommy Tuberville's first season. And I have never seen an Ole Miss crowd that traveled to the Plains <laughs> the way that year did. Now, you remember, after he got the job following the 98 season, they canceled the game of Florida State. Okay. Because they yep. were supposed to play That's Florida right. State That's there. right. Yep. Tommy Tuberville, they're not ready for that yep. yet. They, yep. they bought their way out yep. of that one. So you got Ole Miss fans that are doing the tomahawk chop down yep. in the end zone. <laughs> you know, wild game, Ole Miss wins it. I don't know that Ole Miss fans travel to Auburn like that this year, but I do think there is 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 or will be as much interest in that game as there has been since 1999 because Hugh Freeze is yep. now the head coach. Yep, and obvi- I mean the obvious difference is he didn't go Ole Miss to Auburn. He didn't. Why not? <laughs> he didn't spurn Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss fans. If everything had been equal, would have kept Hugh Freeze probably forever? I mean, do I read that wrong? I mean, assuming he had continued to have that level of success. Yeah, I mean, there were some signs that things were turning down on the way out. I'm not saying that he couldn't have rectified that. They they made some mistakes in recruiting and evaluations and not recruiting defensive players, which apparently matters in the SEC. Yeah, it turns out it does, yeah. And, and, you know, Ole Miss was never really effective running the ball under him. I mean, short yardage, you'd use Kimdichie, and it it wasn't always successful. I'm not sure it was necessary either. It was like to outthink the room. Yeah, I mean, But I do think he has advanced significantly as a play caller. Yeah, I don't don't disagree with that. Um, But, you know, in my lifetime... So I guess in my lifetime in the West, twice Ole Miss, basically you could argue been a play away. The LSU game, the Magnolia Bowl with Eli as the quarterback, right? 2003. Undercut. And then... You're the only person I've ever heard that actually call that actually the Magnolia Bowl. I have a great respect for rivalries. Okay. Do, do, do you guys not call it that in the, in the Magnolia State? No, that, people were not really fond of what the trophy looked like. Okay. So the Ole Miss-LSU game, I don't want to offend anyone. Mm. I'll at least go Ole Miss first. No, no, I don't think you offended anybody. The, the game yeah, at Oxford. Yeah, 2003. And then maybe the craziest SEC play of all time. Now, again, I've seen some crazy Iron Bowls. But, I mean, to have a play where Hunter Henry flips it back over his head, there are 21 other guys on the field. The one guy you don't want to get the football is Alex Collins. And, and, by, and, by the way, Brian Haydad is standing just off yeah, camera. You can't yeah. see him, and he is having a jolly yeah. time as you recount I'm, this story. I, I, I'm getting, I'm getting to a point. I love, I love, I love that I have uh, entertained Haydad. I'm getting to a point here, but that ball not only does it go to Alex Collins. I mean, it literally just like bounces right up, and he can catch it in stride. That's one of the craziest plays you'll ever see. I and, went back and watched it the other yeah. day, and the convoy of blockers that he it's has. It's like it was a set play. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, but literally. You would agree. I mean, there are there are 21 guys on the field. Hunter Henry's the 22nd guy. He's got the ball. You, if you could say, all right, who do I not want it to go to? It's the one guy I went to. Yeah. We actually had Hugh Freeze on the show recently. We brought that play up, and I mean, he's able to kind of laugh about it now. But God, that had to hurt. Because my point is, so that's twice in my lifetime that Ole Miss has been a play away from going to Atlanta. I mean, if they stop that play, they go to Atlanta probably. Yeah. Still had to play state, and, you know, obviously. But anyway, that I mean, one of those was Hugh Freeze. Um, so. I say all that to say it feels different, but yes, I do believe those Ole Miss fans are probably, you know, they probably look at Hugh Freeze and there's some pain about the way that ended. And, and truth of the matter, and I don't know if he would admit this or not, my guess is that Hugh Freeze has that one circled on his calendar. Maybe, maybe more so than Ole Miss fans have it, have Auburn circled. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I mean, just from people, I don't know Hugh that well. I've been around him a couple of times. Um, since he took the Auburn job, actually when he was sitting out a little bit, some too. So I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know him very well and talk to him frequently. But I've heard that from people around him that that will be a very personal game to him. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it may be one of those things where you see, I mean, 
you have Kirby last year manufacturing. Nobody believed in it. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it, it may I be one that. of those yeah. things where, where Hugh chooses to kind of manufacture that. As, oh, they, Wouldn't shock me. Yeah. yeah, would not shock me at all. You know, he, He's strip away all the other stuff, whatever drama is out there. He's a good football coach. No, he's a good football coach. He knows how to coach offense. And that's Auburn has not had offense in a while. Um, the Brian Harson era was a disaster. The Gus Malzahn era ended with stagnant offense a lot of times. Yeah. That kind of run its course. So the offensive injection, now he's got to get the players in there. They, they, they do not have I was gonna say, a top level. The roster's not very good. No, right no. I mean, you can make an argument. There are people who know this way better than me, but you can make an argument that Auburn's got a bottom quarter roster in the Southeastern Conference. And I, which is, or at least he inherited that. to say out loud. I agree. Well, I mean, Malzahn was kind of in cruise control and recruiting. And Harson just didn't recruit, really. So, I mean, you can't miss that many years recruiting against the Georgias and Alabamas of the world and catch up yep. and keep up. Um, Peyton Thorne? I think that's what it would be, yeah. I'm more, you know, I'm more, I feel more comfortable about that. I know when we talked to Alabama, you asked me about, you know, who I think the starter will be there. I feel more confident saying Peyton Thorne at Auburn than anybody at Alabama. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see yep. how it plays out. Great as always catching up. Thanks yep. for your time. Always fun, brother. Good to see you. Ryan Brown from the next round visiting with us, SEC Media Days. Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Nashville. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you in an empty chair. But earlier today, that empty chair was filled with Richard Cross and the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. Very important conversation, one that probably bores hate add to tears, but that's okay. Big picture stuff with the commissioner. Here's part one. Sports Talk Mississippi from SEC Media Days in Nashville for the very first time. And uh, this is day three, joined by the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey. Always good to see you. Thanks for some time. Good to be seen. 1992, you were a golf coach at Northwestern State. Were you a good golf coach? Uh, I won uh, a regional coach of the year award. I was co-coach of the year. It was myself at Northwestern State and the Jimmy Clayton, who's legendary head coach at the University of Texas. So mm-hmm. I'll let you decide if I want to, if I want a coach of the year award at that level, I did something right. So, so how much, uh, swing adjustment and putting tips versus like being the travel coordinator? Uh, travel coordinator heavy. Okay. Uh, we did some conditioning. Uh, I learned early on they all had their own swing coaches. So I, I didn't, I knew a little bit mechanically, but not enough to be helpful. I think it was mental framework. Uh, that team had not been very good at all. In fact, it never finished anything but last in the conference tournament. 
So my, my first year, we finished next to last. That was a victory. And then we ended my last year. I think we're in the top, in the top half of the league, which was actually a world away. And there is something about the mental, uh, aspects of being in a little bit better physical condition and having a little bit of belief in oneself. Haven't you picked golf up again fairly recently? I, I made a, well, I made a decision. I played, but there was a time where it was very much dormant. So I said at the beginning of the year, I was going to play at least once a month all year. And I had knee surgery, but I had, I got to play three rounds in June and the third round actually got the ball around respectively. You're not going to shoot well when you don't play enough. And I've got, an opportunity to play uh, at Wingfoot on Monday as okay. part of an event with some of our, our media partners, and then uh, going to be on Old, Old Waverly at the end of the month. There you go. Pretty uh, pretty special place there. Yeah. Well, I, I was asked, you know, where are you going to play Mossy Oak or Old Waverly, and I said, well, I'm not sure. And the person I was playing with said, you should probably try Mossy Oak. It, it suits your drives more. Like I hit the ball a long way, but. Just it'll, very, it'll vary left and right a little bit more than it should. And very different golf courses, yeah. but uh, both very. It'll be uh, fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, what was the best thing about growing up in Central New York? You know, where, where I grew up in New York, and, and in all seriousness, I kid Charlie, it's a lot closer to Mississippi than anybody in New York cares to admit. So, if if you were at my parents' home, um, there have been homes built around it, but a dairy farm surround it. Uh, a lot of agriculture. Um, the summers are spectacular. So I was just up there. We bought a small place on a lake. The lakes are just pristine. Yeah. So my drinking water at my lake house comes directly from the lake through a little filtration system. And, and that's it. And the city of Syracuse draws its drinking water from that lake directly. Um, it has chemical treatment, but not extensive filtration. Um, you know, winters, we're winners, and I don't miss them at all. But the adventures my brother and I had, you know, sledding down the hill. Um, you know, I, Yankees had a triple-A team early on in Syracuse, the Syracuse Chiefs. So I became a Yankees fan. And really my attachment of sports and higher education. Syracuse made a Final Four run. A guy named Roy Danforth was the head coach. He was the coach before Bayheim. In 1975, it was actually the last Final Four in which John Wooden coached and then oh, retired. Really? And I can recall listening to the radio along the way of those games. There was no Big East Conference at the time. And it really sparked something, I think, in me, this interest in, in college sports and, again, the connection to educational opportunity. And, you know, I'm a true believer in the system, as, as problematic as that may be right now. But... You know, those are memories of, of growing up in, in that central New York area of, of how it affected me in a lifelong way. So the system is very different than it has ever been when you think about college athletics. Um, you talked on Monday and have talked other times about NIL and the need for, we talked about it a year ago, uh, about needing Congress to act. There's something you said that, that really stuck with me. You said we need a nonpartisan solution because this is a nonpartisan issue. But to me, there's a third part to that, and that's the people who would come up with the solution are partisan people, and everything that happens in D.C. seems to happen on partisan lines. So is what you suggest possible? That's the work. I, I, I borrowed that phrase from a couple of our meetings 
in Washington in early June and actually had some, some House members make that observation about how this might be positioned. So it was House members on both sides of the aisle saying this really needs to be approached as a nonpartisan issue. And I'd been saying bipartisan because that's the sure. common term. And when you think about values around education, around healthy people, around creating opportunity, uh, there are ways to come together. Uh, but you're right. There's a divide um, politically. Um, when you study with political scientists the polarization, um, the, the reality that Congress does things it has to do, and it's really hard to do other things. Um, I, I, people have asked me for a timeline. And I can control that which I can control, which is educating and engaging, traveling, meeting, providing information. I can't control their timeline. Right. Um, and that's not the only field of play, if you will, on which we have to operate. We have legal issues in the courts. We have what states are doing and how do we learn from what's happened and pivot back to something more consistent that relates to uh, does the conference create some clear set of policies that would then be operationalized at the conference level, facilitated by the states. Um, and, and what's the NCA's role? And, you know, Charlie Baker, who is, you know, speaking of, you know, nonpartisan, so Charlie came to the NCA after two terms as governor of Massachusetts. He's a Republican in a, in a more blue state. And so he's used to having people of different perspectives come together He's used to working through political realities, but he walked into a situation he didn't create. Now he's right. responsible for contributing to a healthier environment, and he has to do that with us. Um, but there are there are um, a set of realities that don't lend themselves to easy solutions. I, I've said, look, to, even to our coaches, there are no simple solutions. So anytime anyone says, well, if you adjust, whatever it is, fill in the blank, that's a simple solution, and it doesn't actually resolve What's in front of us? One of the things that's interesting to me is it, it, it feels like there is consensus that reform is needed. I, I don't know if reform is the right word, but, but uh, standard. Um, Walker Jones from the Grove Collective was on with us last week. And so you've got these separate teams from all over the country. Ole Miss, Florida State, Michigan, Georgia, Tennessee, and a couple, I think, Southern Cal from the West Coast that have all come together as leaders of collectives. Yeah, it's a collective collective. Yeah, and they're like, hey, we need to work together to get something done. So it's like teams that want to bash each other's heads in on the field are all recognizing we need to do something. And so it's like there are a lot of people that are saying we need to do something, and yet doing something seems really difficult. It is. That doesn't mean it, it won't happen. Uh, if you walk in the back door of our office, there's a sign from um, uh, a presentation I heard, problems yield to effort. So these are a set of problems. We have to apply the effort. And, and I welcome any input that can make this a healthier environment for young people because another thing I observed during my remarks is our student-athletes deserve better than just people saying, well, this is the best we can do. This is not the best we can do. Uh, and if you think from a young person's perspective, sure, there are some that all of a sudden see this windfall we have no idea what the long-term implications of that will be, educationally, personally, financially. Um, what seems like life-changing money uh, when you're 19 years old is likely not life-changing money. It's a moment. But what does that mean when you have to leave your eligibility experience and go get a job and start back at the bottom? 
Um, what does it mean for how you budget manage? Uh, I've had any number of really great stories with student athletes prior to NIL who leave with sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars in the bank from the way they have access to money. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the the ability for people to come together around solutions only helps young people. And I was also clear to say we're not trying to like get rid of NIL. Uh, that's a reality that's upon us. Uh, it has, in many ways, helped. It's many ways, in many ways, serve young people well. But let's not kid ourselves to think again. This is the best we can do. That was part one of our conversation, or Richard's conversation, with the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. A lot to unpack there, and we will do that after we play you the second half of that conversation when we come back. I'm Borky. He said that we're in Nashville. The 2023 SEC Football Kickoff Media Days. Kind of wordy, but we're having a great time. Hope you guys are as well. More with the commissioner when we come back. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. We've got a very busy 5 o'clock hour coming your way. We'll start with SEC uh, Network host Peter Burns. Talk to legendary linebacker Takeo Spikes. Former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray will be with us as well. That's all in the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, we'll send you back to Richard's conversation with the commissioner of the SEC. Will Richard be back for the 5 o'clock hour? We'll find out. We'll let you know. Tune in. Tune in to see if Richard returns. But here's part two of his conversation with the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. Or in kind of the NIL process for process may not be the right word as this has become kind of common lingo um the idea of revenue sharing was i mean people like just cringed and and recoiled from that idea is that maybe ultimately where you get to a point where the playing field becomes a little more level if there is a very defined way to share revenue as, there, as opposed to what they're suggesting in California, where you go 50-50 split, and it's the death of college. But that's funds. revenue share. So the, the notion is labels are used without context. And, and, and I've been asked the question a couple of times, and the first time I was asked was, well, that's really an incomplete question because you're just asking around a phrase, revenue sharing, without explaining what's intended. And then we pivot to California, what was contemplated there was um, an allocation of 50% of revenue as defined, and then it flows to football, men's basketball, women, based on percentages the legislators chose. Well, fundamentally, you have a Title IX problem. And even if somebody argues, well, there's no Title IX problem, then let's go look at the U.S. women's national soccer team and their claims around disparate pay from the men's national soccer team. And the system that California's introduced 
based on experience, if not law, and I would argue both, won't exist that way. So it's an incomplete observation. It also fails to acknowledge the revenue received. Uh, yeah, we pay coaches a lot because that marketplace, there aren't a lot of national championship level coaches. I think there are five in head coach, in the head coach community. Um, it actually goes to support young people. And we do a lot more right now for young people. Mental wellness support, um, physical support, medical support, rehab, academic support, creation of other opportunities. We do intentional study abroad efforts out of our programs. Not everybody's part of those. Um, uniforms, staffing. The staffing doesn't just exist to support something unknown. It, ex- it exists to support what happens with our teams and make them more successful. And so... Uh, when you change the, the revenue model, when you change the financial model, you, you overhaul college athletics. I've yet to hear somebody explain what the other side means. So let's go take your revenue sharing, implement it, and then what does the world look like? The reality is you're going to commit to high-level football. And that's a revenue generated. Right. What are you going to do about track and field, um, which has a lot of, opportunities for underrepresented groups, for minorities. What are you going to do about your tennis programs? What are you going to do for those that have swimming and diving? Obviously not in the state of Mississippi. Are you going to keep those programs or not? And when you start to to make those hard decisions, which you will have to make, what happens to our Olympic support program? And we have been the leading country, not perfectly every year, in the Olympic medal count. That's a geopolitical issue. That's a really big picture issue. All of those medals, 90% of those medals are based upon the collegiate community supporting development and training of the, the Olympic competitors. Those are just the attachment of realities that make it a much bigger question than simply the phrase around revenue sharing. A lot of layers. Um, we are dealing with complex issues. Yeah. And some will say, well, this is really complicated. No, it's complex, which means... There are a set of external factors that we don't control. Some of the outcomes are unpredictable because we don't have the level of influence. Um, Past decisions, whether they were made or not made, actually limit or directly impact our ability to make certain decisions right now. Uh, And those are complexities that have to be acknowledged. Last thing for you, unrelated, and I know you've got to run. Um, You you alluded on Monday to... Super Conference, Texas OU coming in next year, getting to 16, you're content. Maybe there are other outside factors that cause a reexamination of that at some point. But in your mind, the SEC in the form that it will be next year already is a Super Conference? Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll, I'll illustrate. And, and regardless of what else happens, can remain. Yeah, yeah, if we want. It's, it's, like, oh, it's almost like the question during COVID, could we play our own season? And I said, well... Yes, and then that just became wildfire. And lo and behold, we could have because we played 10 conference games yeah. and we stood unique. We didn't stand apart. We stood unique in our approach. And I think we can stand unique in what we attract from a level of attention. So let's take football. In the last 17 years, we had five programs, five different programs, win national championships. Um, if my math is correct, the next closest conference has had two teams win national championships of football during that time. If you go back to 98, so it's a really nice, neat quarter century. Tennessee won in 98. So that's six of our current 14 
And then when you add Texas and Oklahoma, that's eight of our 16 in the last 25 years have won national championships. That's a super level of competition by comparison. When the next conference may have two members, perhaps perhaps three. I think two is probably the number when I did the quick analysis. I think that's unique. And then look at, we lead the, the nation in attendance of football, baseball, softball, women's basketball, women's gymnastics. We're close in men's basketball. There's an interest and a passion around here where we can stand alone. Uh, we need partners, and you know I'm really pleased um, to be working with Tony Petiti in the Big Ten. I think we have a lot, uh, a lot is organizations in common. We won't agree on everything, but that that works really important. We've collaborated with five conferences, and I think just the notion of going to a number, like some somebody's going to go to twenty. You've you've heard that, right? Sure. Well, well why? Just to go to twenty, or, or it's just the money. In my view, money follows decisions. It doesn't lead. And when you let money be a result of a really good set of decisions based on clear principles, uh, the money will be there. If you chase the money, you find yourself at some point, whether it's personally or organizationally, saying, wow, was that enough money to have made that decision? And um, there are any other factors I could belabor, but at some point you have to run ads right, to, to pay for this fine network. I'll also note that you go to 20 and you just think about football. Are you going to play 10 conference games on a Saturday? And if so, where do those fit on a broadcast platform? Yeah. And college football has worked for decades to move from regional games. That's the old NCAA controlled the package model. There was a migration. Uh, my predecessors and myself would positioned us to have all of our games available on national platforms. The NFL doesn't do that. And there's right. almost a forgetfulness that you watch Sunday. The NFL plays Thursday and Monday, cleared nationally. Sunday they've got a set of regional game, regional games and a couple of national games. That's not our model. Now, if, if you want to play 10 games on a Saturday in a college football conference, how many of those are you going to regionalize? Or are you going to make a commitment to always play Thursday, Friday, Saturday so you can spread games out? And I opined uh, years ago, but it captured attention this weekend because of some comments at the Big 12 media days that we're not interested in playing on Friday. We have to respect and support high school football. So a lot of complexities in there. I gave you a, a long answer about um, why I think we, we are a super conference and, and how I think about the future as well. But we pay attention, so you never know. Generous with your time. Thank you. Yep, thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of SEC football media days. Greg you. So a lot there yeah. with the uh, commissioner of the SEC, a lot to uh, to unpack. This is something we talked about yesterday with regard to Greg Sankey, kind of where the, the conversation ended just a second ago, about the idea that the SEC, when it gets to 16 next year with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league, is positioned where almost it doesn't really matter what happens. Right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter if Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten or if North Carolina goes to the Big Ten or if the ACC joins forces with somebody else. To It's like it, we're, we're okay with whatever the rest of the landscape looks like yeah. with the 16 that we've got. It doesn't feel um, inevitable like it did maybe a year ago. That well, everybody's just going to keep expanding, and then it's, it's going to be North Carolina and Clemson and Florida State and Virginia, and they're just coming next year. 
I do like it. It's a small thing. We've got more important stuff that he said to talk about. I do love hearing him reiterate the fact that Friday is for high school football. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I don't hate that there is some college football yeah. on television, but I don't think that it needs to originate from SEC teams. Yeah, I agree. You know, I agree. in Starkville at 6.30 on a Friday night or Tuscaloosa or Oxford or College Station or wherever you're talking about. I, I very much agree on that point. So uh, thanks to the commish, Greg Sankey, for joining us, all guests on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We've got more with you. We'll talk more about what Greg Sankey said when we come back. Our coverage from SEC Media Days brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Get away. It feels like we're off center. And camera's just somebody bumped our camera. Yeah, one of your buddies walked up and was messing with it. I, I told him. Yeah, I told him that that camera's worth more than his life. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that later. Good to be with you this afternoon from SEC Media Days in Nashville. We've got more guests coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today. Um, Peter Burns from the SEC Network will start things off. That will fill for the college football fix today. Uh, Takeo Spikes from the SEC Network. Michael Borky caught up with him earlier this morning. And then Haydad and I had a visit with uh, Aaron Murray. Uh, and we'll have that for you in the 5 o'clock hour as well. But I, I think we should kind of download a little bit on the conversation we had with Greg Sankey. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Also, and forgive us, we please, uh, ceasefire text line, we've been a little limited on interaction just because there have been so many guests over the course of the week. Certainly next week we will uh, get back to that in a big way to uh, get your thoughts it is open, though, and we're uh, Michael Bork. He's got it pulled up right now, so if you want to jump in the conversation, you can at 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, or the best in business IT solutions, C Spire's got you covered. Learn more about all of the products available to you. Buy them from them at cspire.com. So can I ask a dumb question? Or maybe it's not dumb. There's no such thing as dumb questions. Just dumb people. Only dumb people who ask questions. I I am very confused at the idea that the the, the state laws have ended all of their authority. So the NCAA doesn't have authority. The SEC doesn't have authority because the state law says this. And, And that confuses me a little bit. Because are you not a voluntary member of said organization? If I joined a country club. Okay. And the country club says, you have to dress a certain way when you're in here. Mm-hmm. And I walk in with a t-shirt on. Right. And they say, you can leave or we'll kick you out of the club. I can then go get a state legislature to say, no, he has to. He can wear t-shirts if he wants to. And they have to abide by those rules. What happened to voluntary member 
has to abide by organization's rules, and they can do with those members as they please. Well, if the policies are deemed by a court as discriminatory, then then yeah. But did a court deem NCAA policies discriminatory? The NCAA has gotten slapped down in court in every battle that it has fought in recent years, and I think they are incredibly gun-shy at this point. As they should be. Yeah. Yeah. As many times as they've lost. uh, True. I I, I keep going back to this idea, and we talk about it a lot, but... Congress save us is is a losing message. It's a losing effort. They 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 won't do anything. It's not going to happen. But if they did, you're not going to get what you want anyway. By the way, I don't think that's a dumb question, and I'm not even sure that the answer that I gave you is the right answer. But I do think it is an answer. You also have to remember when we're talking about NCA rules is we've been wondering for years why certain things are illegal anyway. Why are they against the NCA rules? Like. Why is it illegal to pay players? It's not illegal to pay people to do a service for you in in other things. Why is that illegal? So it's just something that, you know... And the answer has always been... Because we said so. Well, but the answer has always been, these are the rules that you have agreed on. The rules are set forth by the membership. You are a voluntary member of the organization. But schools and players at schools have come to the decision that, no, that's not a good enough answer anymore. And, and maybe, maybe you're looking at it backwards, Borky. Maybe it's, you know, states are allowed to make laws, and private organizations within those states have to follow those laws. Supertalk is, is, a, is a company. We have rules and regulations. If something changes tomorrow where the state legislature says, hey, if your name rhymes with Sorky, you can't be on the radio. Well, we don't have a whole lot of options in that. We could sue them, but, you know, probably going to lose to the state of Mississippi. I mean, that, that, that's something that to consider, too, is that well, the states just haven't ever done it until now, but now people are getting kind of tired of the NCAA. But but to go back to your golf analogy, let, let's, let's use a real-life one, right? I mean, there were people that 15 years ago were protesting against Augusta National for its lack of female members. Yeah. And Augusta said, we'll do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. And if you want to fight this battle publicly, we'll fight it publicly. And if you want to take us to court, we'll see you there. You can't, we are a private organization. You you can't tell us what to do. We're not breaking any laws. And then in their own time, they chose to admit female members at Augusta National. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know. I, it does feel slippery slope-ish, but I mean, what, what's the most recent example we've got, right? It's Texas A&M with Ross Bjork. Um, in response to Texas A&M saying that they were going to do certain, uh, do things in a certain way as it pertains to NIL, the NCAA sent out that memo that said, you're a volunteer member of this organization, and if you don't like the rules, then as you, you need to get together with the membership and change the rules. And Texas A&M walked out front and shot its middle finger up in the air and said, we'll follow the rules of the state of Texas, thank you very much. Period. Which, as much as I don't like Ross Bjork, Mm -hmm. is the correct take. It is. But but what is stopping... I know the NCAA's lost lawsuits, but that was in relation to paying players, right? They just wanted that right. Now they got that right. So... 
if you're a leader in college sports, like he is, probably the most powerful man in it, despite there being a president you're, of the NCAA. Not Ross Greg Sankey, not Ross Bjork. But why don't you try, and if they sue you, fight it? If it's so important that you're begging a, a congressional body that has Cory Booker in it to save you, why don't you get together with the Big Ten or whoever, create rules, and if they sue you, you fight them? Well, what's what's the point that's probably, of just... That's cons- probably not too far off. Well, but, I mean, that's... Get together, figure out what's fair, listen to the collective collective, and, and I liked his answer today far better than his opening statement. It sounds like he's more receptive to their existence than, than Monday, where he was kind of like, I haven't talked to him, I've read about it, that's it. I liked hearing him. I, I, I know for a fact that there have been conversations between senior SEC officials and members of the collective collective. Good, because so so find Is a that way. What it's called? Uh, it no, was, it's it something else. The collective collective. That just sounds better. But I like it. But f- figure out something that can satisfy everybody. Players get a certain amount of money. Because you're never putting that toothpaste back in the tube. They're going to get paid, so just suck it up and deal with it. Put in some restrictions on transfer and stuff like that. Figure out how to enforce it all with an investigative body. Lay out the bylaws that Walker Jones told us that they're going to lay out. And then say, these are our rules now. And and you're going to follow those rules. And if you don't, we're going to punish you. And if you want to sue us, sue us. And we'll see you in court. The other side, there's one, there's one more thing. When we say we're going to punish you, we are going to actually punish yes. you. Yes. They're going to timely. be strict, harsh, timely is a good word too, punishment. But, but what authority does a consortium of conferences have to punish individual schools? Well, that's the issue. So you have to, that's what the court has to step in and say, yes, they do or no, they don't. As, um, as I said to Greg Sankey a little while ago, it's got some layers. It does. And, and he says there. Yeah, he, he said it is a complex. I, I, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's smarter than I am. He said this is a complex issue. Some people call it complicated. It's not complicated. It's complex. That's why I don't get on the get in on the interview with Sankey because, <laughs> like, I can deal with people that are smarter than me. I can't. I can't deal with people who make me feel dumb when they talk. And Sankey does that. I don't, not, think, I don't think it's intentional. No, it's, it's not. He's not trying to talk down to me. He's just so smart that I'm just listening to him. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. How, are you excited for games? I like games. Yeah, that's what all I want to ask. We'll get those in a few weeks. But yeah, yeah. we had uh, somebody on the text line say lawsuits will lead us into gridlock and destruction in the next twenty years. But uh, they'll never stop playing the games. Ne- that's where the money is. Of course, they'll never stop making money. But if if there's gridlock and you're forcing people to follow your rules, at least that's going on in the meantime. I don't know. I just everybody that has power is pointing at everybody else and saying, I can't do anything, so they must yeah. be able to. And It's all just like the Spider-Man meme. Everybody's just pointing at each other. What What if there's one more question that we're not asking, that, that we should be asking? Well, what's so bad about it the way it is right now? Well, guys are moving from schools too much, one to another. Nah, okay. I don't, I don't care. Well, guys are getting paid. Well, uh, don't care. Well, there's there's donor fatigue. Okay. Well, now. Uh, hold on. Hold on. So the market corrects itself. Everybody stopped donating. The, the players will still come. 
Donor fatigue is another way to say self-regulation. Yeah, that's that's a market correction. And, and I was talking with Brett Norsworthy and uh, Rob Fisher yesterday, and I said, you know, the truth of the matter is, the best players are the best players, and whatever system is in place, they're still going to be the best players, and they're still going to play. Kind of like if you if you set a salary limit in the NBA, if you said a million dollars is the most that anybody can make in the NBA, you'd have the exact same guys playing the game. They'd just be capped at a million dollars. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Today at SEC Media Days, Alabama, Kentucky, Arkansas, Florida. Tomorrow, final day of the 2023 edition of Media Days. Ole Miss will be here. We will have a chance to visit with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss players that are here for the Rebels turn around the uh, the big car wash here. Uh, but then also you got Tennessee here tomorrow, including Joe Milton, who is uh, coming with the Tennessee contingent, and uh, and South Carolina, Shane Beamer's ball club, uh, will be here tomorrow. Uh, I will just let you know that over the course of the next couple of days, you are going to hear from Gary Danielson of CBS, former Ole Miss offensive lineman and 10-year NFL veteran Chris Spencer. He could still go. And he told me that he stopped by today, and it was so good to see him. It's been a really long time. Chris had an incredible NFL career. Uh, you'll hear the interview. He's got some really cool stuff coming on. He actually just stopped by to see David Cutcliffe, and Coach Cut was like, hey, you got some time? Let's go get you on the radio while yep. you're here. Uh, so I had a great visit with Chris. You're going to hear from David Cutcliffe, um, Jacob Hester, from uh, SiriusXM, former LSU player, uh, host of a show on ESPN Baton Rouge in the mornings there. Uh, Ross Dellinger. Orky had a conversation with Tony Barnhart. Ben Portnoy is going to join us, cover South Carolina. You've heard from Ben a lot. Um, Eli Letterman, who works at the Tulsa World and covers Oklahoma and is here on kind of a scouting mission. Uh, I think we're going to get to visit with Chuck Oliver from the Chuck Oliver Show and 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Brandon Marcello. Barrett, Sully, and more. Whew. We Man. got a lot. We got yeah. a lot coming your way over the uh, the next couple of days. Um, so Nick Saban talked today, by the way. There's there's something that because you mentioned Barrett, Are we going Sully. Going back to the carrot cake thing? No, okay. no. This is something else. So uh, there there has been conflicting narrative about Pete Golding's departure from Alabama, mm. and, and it was even said, or, or you're going to hear it on this show at some point. Nick showed, told him where the door was. There are people that think that he was forced out. Well, unless you think Nick Saban's a liar, not the case. Here's the quote. Everybody needs to make their own personal choices and decisions about where they think they can best develop their career. He did a great job for us. I like Pete. He improved every year with us in terms of how he did his job, which I was always pleased with. Here's the money quote. He chose for personal reasons or whatever reasons that it was a better opportunity to go someplace else. That's his prerogative. We wish him well. Uh, that doesn't sound like a coach that forced his guy out. That sounds like a guy it, it that does, had his defensive coordinator doesn't. go somewhere else. It certainly doesn't, and I, I tend to, to agree. I tend to think he's telling the truth, but at the same time, I mean, he's a football coach. <laughs> he could just true spin, spin just it, say whatever he wants, just you know? spin it politely in uh, in front of hey, a lot of people. They touchdown Alabama is going to be like, uh, coach. I don't know that I buy that. I, I would say this though. Regardless of how, in his heart of hearts, Nick Saban feels about Pete Golding, that is a 
far better way for a sitting head coach to handle a question about someone who leaves his program than the way Willie Bloomquist handled it at Arizona yeah. State about a player that left his uh, program. It's almost like Nick Saban's a good of leader truth. of men. From a content anyway. standpoint, though, if he'd been like, yes, I'm glad he's gone and I think we'll be better off without him, would have been fantastic for this show. We would have had three hours just on that quote. Yeah. Yes, I uh, I suppose we would See, have. somebody says coach speak. No, coach speak would have been... Uh, I'm focused on the, the guy yeah, that's gone. Right more now. about the guys in the in the in, in the building. Yeah, absolutely. We've been telling you for years that Ford trucks are the best selling trucks in America, and you can uh, drive an F-150. If you have made the decision that yes, you are right, and it is time for me to get behind the wheel of a Ford truck, then Belk Ford is the place for you to go. Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great selection of F-150s, but not just F-150s. They've got some expeditions on the lot. They've got some explorers. They've got the Broncos. The uh, the inventory is it's fluid, right? I mean, because people are buying trucks. They're getting new ones in almost on a, uh, on a daily basis. Not only do they have Ford cars and trucks and SUVs, they've got the used lot. And then there's the Toyota dealership as well, Oxford Toyota, which is just up the hill from Belk Ford. So you get plenty of options, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. And here's the best part. It's not a pushy situation when you go and you look at the vehicles there. They're going to talk to you. They're going to help you find what it is that you're looking for, get you the financing options that you need, and then service after the sale. They're going to follow up and treat you like family because that's what they are. They're a family dealership. They have been for a really, really long time. Family uh, that has been in the car business for over 100 years and has been a Ford dealership since the early 1960s. So if you're looking for an F-150, uh, which is, again, the number one selling truck in America for 46 straight years. Elk Ford and Oxford Toyota, the place to go for your next vehicle. Highway 6 West in Oxford, BelkFord.net or OxfordToyota.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Our coverage of SEC Media Days is brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Show's also brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. And uh, be sure to follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Keep up with the events that are happening in Oxford. The events calendar on the website at visitoxfordms.com. Oh, this uh, this note reminds me that you can join Brian Haydad this Wednesday night and every Wednesday night. That's today. For Thunder and Lightning on the radio. It's immediately when we get finished right here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock Thanks. hour coming up. College football fix driven by Ford. We'll chat with Peter Burns on the other side of this timeout. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. SEC Media Days in Nashville, day three. Peter Burns joins the SEC Network and ESPN. He calls golf uh, for ESPN Plus Ooh, now. Yeah. Is that the coolest thing you do? Um... You can be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Like, I do just enough to where I can do, like, SEC men's and women's golf. So I'm actually on the golf course um, over when we do it in Birmingham for the women's and then Sea Island, of course, for the men's tournament. And then somehow 
whenever we took over the PGA Championship contract for ESPN, they, I guess they didn't have enough human bodies. So they're like, uh, do you want to call featured groups for PGA Championship? I was like, hell yes, I do. So yes. uh, I did it the first year when Mickelson won over at, um, at Kiowa. And I guess I fell underneath the radar and the fact that nobody knows that I've still been doing it. So now this is year three of it. Freaking blast. Really cool. So much fun. Really so cool. much fun. Which of the uh, which of the majors is your favorite? Uh, I mean, the Masters is just the Masters, right? I mean, like you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's you know the course, you know the memories every single year. You have it there. Actually, after <laughs> hey, Dad's like, oh sure, sure. The Masters. You don't. No, you I'm not a big golf. It doesn't I, I don't matter. Like there, there's certain like I wouldn't expect you to be like dialed into like Oak Hill or right. Southern Hills for the PJ Championship or even the Open Championship or U.S. Open. But by God, you I got to know what the Masters. I know, is. I know what it is. Okay, do you I know what state it is? It's in Georgia. It's okay. in Augusta. Okay. I know what the Masters I'm just, is. All right, I'm just making sure you got to have a proper respect for the sport. Well, th- this guy over here, man, he keeps well, yeah, he's a goal. stick. He, yeah. he understands yeah. at that so, point. So just average. Uh, I would probably, I would say it's Masters one. I like the Open Championship, aka the British Open, probably second. You probably go third for the U.S. Open and then probably fourth PGA Championship. But the PGA has grown on me now that it's actually earlier in the year. And yeah. It's not the last of the majors. I agree with that. And what I love is Open Championship coverage. You wake up and it's uh, on. But I, I would, I know there's so many golf courses that are great on the East Coast. This yeah. is killing Hey Dad that we're talking golf right now. Oh, we're we're going to get there. I promise. I know. You can just see his legs shaking, too. Like, I have. I it's a constant, it's a constant battle. So, so I know there are great golf courses on the East Coast, and you would never go away from it. But I love a West Coast U.S. Open because you get to watch it late at night. Although the West Coast U.S. Open this year sucked. Uh, let's be honest with you. I did not like Los Angeles Country Club. And the fact like it, it was not ready for prime It time. felt like a, oh, how, how did you feel about it? I, honestly, I watched it. I know. I watched, I watched no, it. No, you see? You did, And, and right? I was like. This it was golf kind of, course is not U.S. Open golf course. It, it, it was just a stale environment, and it felt like too hoity-toity. I did not. I, I, I was not a very enjoyable experience. Richard loved it just for that reason, because it was hoity-toity. Uh, I do hoity-toity as good as anybody, and I even thought it was just too much. So. <laughs> a, little, a little too much for you. Uh, this is football media days, not golf yes. media days. And so yes. Hey, Dad's going to throw something at me if we don't get to some, some college football. So let's start in our home state. Mm. Uh, with Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, the Bulldogs here yesterday. Did you have a chance to talk one-on-one with Zach Arnett? Just for a couple of minutes briefly, um, you know, when they were kind of passing through and doing stuff. Like, what I love about Zach is every time that, you know, in our show, we're not very serious between me and Chris Doring, as you guys know. We yeah. try to have some fun. And every time I try to get Zach Arnett off of, um, I, I try to get him off football-related stuff, yeah. he's like, no, let's get back to football. Yeah. And, and I, and I mean, Kind of the opposite I, of the previous guy. I, I respect, yeah. I mean, like, for Leach, you would go any direction, and you're like, I, one of my favorite memories was here last year over at Media Days, and me and Doring are getting ready to have to go do an interview. Like, we are on a time schedule. We're on a time crunch right there, and, and we see Coach Leach in the thing, and he's, ah, come on over here. And we're like, oh, boy, this is, what is this going to be? <laughs> and typical Leach, it was like 17 minutes later. And there was it was like the most meandering. There was no rhyme or reason to the story. But you couldn't help but like just want to stay because it was Coach Leach. And um, it's big shoes to fill for Zach, right? It's in a tough spot. But I think that for him to say, listen, I'm all about football. Um, and, I, and, I, and I like it. And I'm really intrigued. I, I think – I mean, you take the Magnolia State, both state and in Ole Miss, and find me more of an intriguing quarterback situation in any state. I, I don't, in all of college football, right? Because of 
how many they got at Oxford, and and Will kind of making that transition from air raid to what Barbe is going to be able to do. All right, he asked the state question. I'll ask the old Miss question. Well, this is a oh, role oh, reversal. Do, this is cute. Going is back nice. to Mike Leach, yeah. one of our, my favorite interviews that we did all time. I read because he obviously had the house on Key West. Yeah, really close to Cuba. And I asked, "Is like, you been to Cuba?" Off turned into a conversation about Ernest Hemingway, yeah. and we weave Jimmy Buffett into it somehow. Oh, he lived in every place he had incredible. ever lived. And, and I did not know he lived in Finland for a time, but what? he did. He lived in Finland for a time. Co- he coached a football team in Finland? Yes, he coached a football team in Finland. Uh, again, th- th- it's going to be one of those deals where you all of a sudden you'll read even more and more books. You're like, I had no idea. Like, Greg Popovich is kind of that way, to yeah. where you're like, wait a minute, he was part of a CIA agent? And you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like we, did, is, we do this thing, guy. 100 teams in 100 days, and we were talking about the Air Force Academy. And so oh, we, yeah? look, we look up the famous alums. Yeah, and Pop. And I was like, I did not realize he was in the CIA. Oh, yeah. And like, we always used to call him, and when I covered him in San Antonio, CIA Pop, because he would not crazy. he would not say what he really wanted to say. Crazy. All right, Ole Miss is here tomorrow. Arkansas is here today. Yeah. Jefferson Sanders or Dart Judkins? Better backfield. Ooh. Oh, gosh, Lee. I just spent – it's recency bias because it's – I still probably go with KJ and Rocket in the fact of I've seen it. I mean, how many times you're going to have three-year starters in this league? KJ Jefferson was was great, and you know I sat with him for a couple of minutes, and he just comes across as such a good dude. Um, Boy, he's a Mississippi guy. And, and and listen, he talked about that. I asked him about how name, image, and likeness had kind of say you know changed his life. I guarantee you he's probably making more money than us combined right now. KJ Jefferson is probably doing pretty well. I don't know if he's seven figures, but he's probably high six figures. Rich, Richard makes a lot. Well, I know that. That's why he's hoity toity in all these country clubs. <laughs> um, what's impressive about him is that he's he's down to earth. Um, he talks about how his mom is just ripping him in the Missouri State game. And between him and Rocket, I don't know how many games are going to win. I don't know if the, it feels like a seven, eight win um, season for Arkansas. But damn, if that is not a good one-two punch. Yeah. And Rocket Sanders is, is is fun as hell to watch as well too. I feel that somehow. But so by I, the way, you said you said Spencer. Are we? Are we? No, we, he said Dart. He said Dart. Oh no, you said Dart. Dart Junkins. Dart Junkins. Okay, okay. So we oh, no. you're saying that is Dart, oh, or is that collectively we feel like that's how it's trending? Yes, yes. that's how we feel. It's oh, okay, trending. all right. So then why, well, okay, I, I love this because everybody Turn has to be, well, no, because I, I keep coming on these shows and, and then people want to ask me questions and I'm like, no, no, like I literally want to, to flip it on you guys Go because ahead. I'm like, walk me through the Spencer Sanders thing, right? Like I, 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 I'm intrigued because I'm like, Jackson's going to be that guy. Like I understand Walker because he knew that it was going to be, um, That's it was going to be, yeah, it was going to be Jaden Daniels and then it was Nussmeyer. So that was, what was going to happen at LSU. Yeah. But then Walker could say, all right, I'll be the next guy in Oxford the future. But the Sanders thing is is intriguing for a guy that has, what, one year of eligibility left? One year of eligibility left, and I think probably NFL aspirations. I, I'm not 100% convinced that there were quite as many options for Spencer Sanders okay. as some people have led you to believe. Um, so it was an option. I think Lane Kiffin plays a role in that. Uh I think Oxford plays a role in that to some degree. I mean, I don't know if it does as much for a Mm. you know for a one year player who's trying to maximize the stock for the NFL. I think Ole Miss was very competitive, maybe even more than competitive in the NIL space. Yeah, Uh, and and so there's something to it there. And my guess is that Spencer Sanders believes that he's good enough to win the job and beat out whoever if he gets a fair shot. Now. See, I'm not convinced of that, though. When So Doring and I did the Ole Miss spring game. Yeah. And when we sat down with Charlie Weiss, Jr., I asked him, I was like, 
Jackson Dart, last year to this year. Mm-hmm. And I said, how's he different? He's like, in every way. I was like, okay, that's great. Now tell me how. And he said, you know, it starts with maturity. He said, but then mechanically his feet are so much better. He spent a ton of time working on his feet. He, I think he's got to be more accurate in the like deep passing game. But in terms of leadership and skill set and all of that, remember last year was the first year that he was a full-time starter in college right. football. He had a you know a spell at USC and then yeah. got injured. And he was good. And he was yeah, better. He was good. And, and, and despite Ole Miss being not as good record-wise in the second half, he was better in the second half. He got better as the season went along a year ago. Yeah, it was just so intriguing about how, you know, in this transfer portal world about how different coaches approach their quarterback situation, approach the room, and then now how even the players, like, again, between the Walker Howard and Spencer and all these guys have decisions to be made and how Lane ends up handling it, right? I mean, that that's... Ultimately, it comes down on him to play the right guys, and if you don't, then it becomes an absolute mess. Is there a LSU was a big surprise last year? Much to your plus, it's a huge surprise. I mean, after that FSU game, yeah. I mean, we we were just like, dear I mean, Lord, where's my LSU about? hot take? Uh, oh, I'm ready for. Hold on, let me get my recorder. All right, go. Oh, and one, and then they don't lose again. It would not surprise. They me. don't lose again. After. Florida State is 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 damn good. That game on that Sunday night, season. I could. It listen. I don't think it it would shock me um, at all because you go back and look at I, I picked LSU to win the West because of obviously Daniels more so because there was at least some consistency with the coordinators, right? I, I think that's huge. I don't. I think that's part of what what has kind of hurt Saban is that Saban has become such a good part of to have on the resume that if you work for Nick Saban, all of a sudden when you have success with the best. You know, pretty much some of the best rosters. Next thing you know, you're going to be, you know, someone's going to want to hire you because you worked for Coach Saban. And I think that's tough. And I think that's hard for them to develop players over and over. We're out of time. 10 second hot take. Who wins more games this year, Mississippi State or Ole Miss? I'm going to go Mississippi State. Okay. Hello. Hey, What's the numbers? Uh, I'm going to say eight. All right. We're still off Mississippi from SEC Media Days in Nashville. Peter Burns from the SEC Network and ESPN. We're back after this. Our coverage presented by Genteel Account. Mississippi Super Talk Mississippi Sports Talk Mississippi Michael Borky and now a member of the all-name team and honestly a hell of a football player as well Takio Spikes joins us right now thank you so much for your time and uh can I start with an NFL question though for yeah, your career absolutely. uh a legend in Mississippi you got to play alongside of Patrick Willis yep. uh, in San Francisco uh, that was a special time. I remember that being, the two of you being like this elite duo of linebackers, one of the best of all time. What was that like playing alongside him? It was awesome. I realized coming into San Francisco, I think that was my 11th year, and Patrick had just finished, completed his first year. Uh, Mike Singletary was our position coach, Hall of Famer, and uh, the, the beautiful thing was, I knew at that time, I'm not trying to get the headlines. I'm trying to win a ring. Mm-hmm. And I also knew I was brought there to be able to have the, you know, Pat, you know, mentor to Pat. Uh, Pat didn't need a lot, but it was more so of like how to be a pro. 
And when I got there and we hit it off, still best of friends to this day right now. But I have never, I've seen a lot of guys bring different talents and traits to the table, but I've never seen a guy who wasn't necessarily big in stature, but he was so explosive. Guy runs a 4-3. I seen him drop offensive linemen weighs over 300 pounds. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Pat. Like, okay. You know, and so I was like, you know, I look at this and try it this way. You know what I mean? So it was it was a bunch of back and forth, but it was an outstanding time. I, I really enjoyed my time. He helped. Pat helped me get another contract after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, we helped each other for sure. And you mentioned teaching somebody how to be a pro. So yeah. as you know, college players are uh, they're essentially professionals. I mean, the contracts, money, yeah. everything. So yeah. what's the, the transition like for them? I, I know you didn't get that opportunity when you were a player in college. Man, but, I wish I would have. Uh, I'm going to ask you about that uh, as well here in a second. But what, what is that like for, for a 19-year-old that, that is now coming into the responsibility of, of getting a, a, a true salary? And in some cases, uh, we'll use old Mrs. Quinshawn Judkins, for example, a, a pretty big uh, amount of money coming into him at, at 19 years old. What's that like as a college player with that kind of pressure now to, to be essentially a salaried football player? Well, it, it, it bring, the responsibility levels come up, and that means uh, I'll just get it tomorrow. What's that famous line? I think it was in Rocky Three when Apollo Creed told Rock, there is no tomorrow. You have to get it today because now you're fair game. You got people who are going to be talking about you. You got people who are going to be hating the fact that you're getting paid. And just because you're getting paid, the pressure of a 19-year-old, you know, oh, if I don't do this, if I get a bad play in the game, he's going to ride me. And now that's going to change the court of public opinion about how people view me. So it's a lot of pressure. Like, I know the payout is good on the other end, but it's a lot of pressure. But that's the reason why in the consensus of, me talking to guys who are in their age range, I don't they the one the, the top one of the top few things they always say is I don't really get into social media when the season is going on. Just because everybody has an opinion. Of course I may look at it if I go through a couple of weeks to where I'm really hitting my stride. But outside of that, I just try to stay focused, control what I can control, and then everything else to take care of itself. So uh, you talked about that. You, you said it, so I'll bring it to you. You, I mean, high-profile college football player, you would have commanded a lot of money when you were playing back in the day. Do you uh, – you said you wish that you could have gotten that. Yeah. What's your opinion on it, though? Do, do you like how it's structured? If you could change anything, would you uh, – what are your thoughts on the players in the NIL and, and how it's kind of completely unregulated? The players in the NIL love it, period, love it. The structure – Hate it. The structure is is what's causing so many problems, or the lack of structure is what's causing so many problems. Um, there's so many facets that I can talk about, but I want to talk about this one in particular. Not having any education when you get the when you get when you get it. If you were lucky enough to work in high school, you're making maybe seven, eight dollars an hour. Zaxby's for six twenty-five. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So now you're getting six figures immediately, or even double-digit five figures. 
thousands of dollars. People criticize the athletes or the and the, the kids, student athletes. Like, why is he doing that with his money? He doesn't know any better. She doesn't know any better. Hell, I would do the same thing if I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's incumbent upon the the hierarchy, NCAA, people like me, people like you, to talk about things that needs to be put in place. You know, the money is yours, period. But it got to be certain things that you need to go through in order for, I would like to think that for the money to be released to you. I wouldn't want to see a kid 19 years old just hand just hand it over two, three, four hundred thousand dollars now reading up into the NIL millions of dollars. So it's 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 a recipe for disaster. And I think as long as we can provide some type of boundaries around it, not keeping kids away from the money, but making sure that they understand the education that comes yeah. along Helping with them it. manage it a, yeah. a little bit. Because at me at nineteen, there's no way I could have come into five hundred thousand dollars and managed that well. Yeah. I probably still couldn't, if we're being honest. Um, so obviously you played linebacker. Uh, Ole Miss has an incoming five-star freshman had to fight off Alabama to, to keep him in state. Suntarian Perkins. What is the biggest transition for him? Because they're going they're expecting him to play. To, to go from high school football where he was dominant and, and the best player on every field and the fastest and the biggest and the strongest to playing in the SEC, what's what's the biggest hurdle that he's got to jump in that transition to play in the SEC right away as a true freshman? Speed of the game. you got to handle the speed of the game. That is the number one thing. And it's not just meaning, okay, this receiver is fast. Oh, this running back is fast. It means... The offensive lineman, typically in high school, you can just go up and uh, I can throw this offensive lineman out of the way. No, he's going to, you're going to have offensive linemen who are running four nine, five flats, weighing over 300 pounds, yeah. and they're powerful. So with that, you have to learn technique. You have to learn from a savvy vet how to be able to utilize your skill set and be able to shed and get off blocks. Quinshawn Jackets, amazing. I'm talking about amazing player. Love him. But if I'm a backer coming in, I'm trying to lift weights every day. I, I haven't seen one person just tackle him. So it's it's a way, it's an art to tackle. It ain't just going in there, I'm going to go. No. You got to go in there and understand this dude already squatting over six, 700 pounds. So the old adage of hit him low, that ain't going to work. You need to wrap, grab, claw, spit your mouthpiece out and bite him if you have to. Like, those are the type of things that that he's going to have to understand. Like, it's the little nuances of the game. And after you understand the nuances of the speed of the game, then it's the mental side. The mental side of understanding passing concepts. The mental side of understanding down and distance. Because when you go out and play as a player in high school, most players just play off of instincts. They don't pay attention to down and distance and understand that certain passing plays or certain running plays are only ran on certain downs. So with knowing that, that's going to be the biggest adjustment, and I'm going to be watching out for him. Yeah, he's, he, hopefully for Ole Miss fans, he's going to be a great player. Uh, ter- transitioning to, to Mississippi State now, transition with Mike Leach tragically passing away, going from an offensive-minded head coach to a defensive-minded head coach, drastically different personalities uh, as well. Uh, what do you think that's, uh, as a veteran team, 
with a different style at the top. What kind of impact will that have on a team going from one head coach with one style and one way about him to basically the complete opposite? What's that like? I think Mississippi State did the right thing by promoting Zach Arnett from within. One that keeps the messaging the same, the familiarity, knowing that what's the expectation. And guys don't have to guess. Guys don't have to wonder. You don't have to have secret conversations and say, what type of dude is that? We already know who he is. Now it's more so the new coordinators coming in, being able to get acclimated and familiar with the new guys that they already have. That's going to be the big key. And the thing I'm really looking forward to is they're not going to be running an air raid offense anymore. Probably, I'm sure they're going to have some of the same concepts, but I truly believe Mississippi State will be better because whenever you're averaging only 81 yards rushing in the SEC, it's hard to even say that we can compete for an SEC West Clan or even an SEC championship. Now I think with the new coordinator company in Kevin Barbe, I think he is going to bring a lot to the table. And he's bringing a tight end. There's a tight end now. It's a tight end State. now. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of good things to, to be looking out for. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate you. And uh, real quick, who's winning the West? Who's winning the East? I'm not counting out Alabama. I'm not. It feels gonna, like a dumb thing to do. You never can count them out just because of they reload and Kevin Steele is back as their defensive coordinator, even though they've been shortage. I know we got to go, but they've been shorted. They've been short on creating turnovers. Last year was the least amount of turnover they created in the Nick Saban era, which is mind-blowing, especially as interception. But from the East, come on, man. Georgia may be running a three-peat. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. SEC Media Days, Radio Row from Nashville. Our coverage brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We've got a quarterback with us, Aaron Murray, former Georgia Bulldog, and now works in the media world, SEC Network, and Sirius XM, and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Good to... Uh, to talk to you in person as opposed to just over the phone on the radio. I know. It's so nice. I mean, I do another show, Snaps, um, with my boy T-Bob. And, you know, we, we usually do it from, you know, my my uh, my house. And he's at a, a studio in Baton Rouge. And now we're doing it, like, live in person this week because we're both here. And it's just so much nicer to be with the guys or with people like yourselves and kind of just sit down and relax, have a, have a normal conversation instead of being on, like, my ear pods running around the house doing chores as I'm you know doing interviews. That's yeah. the exact dynamic of our show. Yes. Yeah. During the week normally he's in Oxford, I'm in Starbucks, yeah. he's in Jackson. Oh. So it's it's nice to have yeah be no, here all it's just such a better conversation. Like yeah. I understand the world of, of Zoom and it's making things easier, but you know, when it comes to shows and content, you know, I still believe it in the in person stuff where you're with the guy or gal is just so much better. There is an argument to be made that not being too close to T-Bob on a regular basis <laughs> is not that the worst help. thing in that the world for Hester. <laughs> I know. Hey, so so there are a lot of people that have said, no star power at quarterback this year in the SEC. Um, and I might concede that point, but it is not a year where quarterback is not an interesting conversation no. between returning guys and then some potential like a, a Joe Milton or yep. a Devin Leary and, and some others that fall into that category as well. Yeah, someone brought up to me yesterday 
you know, for, for my year in 2013, you know, we, we were, we had a ton of quarterbacks in the SEC. You know, you had Menberger, you had uh, McCarron, you had Johnny, um, myself. I mean, there was five or six guys that were, you know, NFL guys that were going to get drafted. It was a great, great year of quarterbacks. Ten years ago. Yeah, no, it's oh, been a God. long time. So, you know, then the, the, the drop off to the next year, and, you know, people are kind of saying the same thing this year. There's going to be a drop. And, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't see it. I know there's some young guys that maybe are unproven at a consistent basis, but I think, like Tennessee, you brought up Joe Milton. Joe Milton's more talented than Hendon Hooker. Everyone knows it. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he's the more talented quarterback. NFL scouts know it. Like, Joe is an opportunity to be, you know, a top 15 NFL draft pick. If Anthony Richardson get, get picked where he got picked, I think Joe Milton could do the same thing. So when it comes to that, he's going to be there. I, I'm a little bit biased because I've seen him for three years. I think Carson Beck is a superstar. I think Carson Beck could be a first-round draft pick. So I think there's guys that have talent that have actually – waited their turn, which is rare nowadays. You know, we don't see great backups in college football, you know, because these guys want to go somewhere else and be able to play. Joe Milton has been talented enough to play, and then he, he had his opportunity. He lost it. I get it. Carson's been more ta- talented enough to go somewhere else to play. He waited his turn. So you have guys that have been in the system that are now ready to take that step forward. So I think those guys, you obviously Spencer Rattler, you got Devin Leary at Kentucky. I think Connor Wegman in the, in the tools that he has around him at A&M, you know, as we kind of figure out who's going to call plays there, he is an opportunity to have a big year. I think Jackson Dart is going to have a massive year. I think he's going to be the guy at Ole Miss. And I, I love what I saw from him last year. In his first year, where he had to split the first four games of the season, you've heard nothing but great stuff from him from spring. I think he's going to have a massive season. So there's plenty of guys. Oh, yeah, Will, Will Rogers, who, you know, he's thrown for like 70,000 yeah, yards. Who is the SEC record for most completion? So, like, there's plenty of star power in this league at the quarterback position, so I I I hate when people are are sleeping on it. And I'm actually excited because I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised when it's all said and done. Beyond just the quarterback position, we were talking about you know Florida's here today, yep. and the players that they're bringing. The average college football fan does not know those guys. Yep. This is the University of Florida yep. superstars all the time. Auburn yesterday, yep. players that you don't really know. Is, is there a lack of star power just beyond the quarterback position? This yeah, year? yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I said that with. This morning, one of my shows, I was like, "Because Arkansas brought star power." Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they did, they I'm did, like, did Arkansas, job. I feel like is the only one that's like, "Okay, we're going to bring our stud guys," and it does help when you have a, a veteran quarterback in KJ and then you know a veteran running back in Rocket, so it, it makes it easy. Um, but yeah, maybe there's not as much star, star star power in the SEC compared to say like the Pac-12 has a ton of star power over there. Um, and you can really say that for most of the country right now. And I don't know if it's because of the transfer portal or what, but guys are moving in so many different directions. It's kind of, it feels like, it almost feels like college basketball. It's hard to feel great about star power in college basketball because everyone's so one and done. It's hard to fall in love with a guy because he comes in for a freshman year and then he leaves. College football is almost turning into guys are moving around so much. It's, tra- it's hard to keep track of them at times, but, um, it's still a league that is extremely deep. It's a still a league that's going to have more first-round draft picks than any other conference when it's all said at the end of the year. Who has the best chance of stopping Georgia from three-peating? In the East or just overall? Just overall in the country. Mm, I mean, I, I still I know Michigan's going to be great, and I like Michigan to win the Big Ten, but I, I still don't think Michigan is good enough to beat Georgia. I think you have to have an offense like Ohio State. Like, what happened to I me? Mean, the, the way to beat Georgia has been shown the past two years. Alabama did it two years ago. With, with what they can do on offense and what they did on offense. Ohio State 
was was an injury away from doing it last year in in in, in the first round of the playoffs. That's the type of team that you have to have to beat Georgia. It's not, you know, I know we love defense, and Georgia's technically quote unquote one and natty off of off elite defense the past two years, but really, I, I still think elite offense trumps elite defense in today's game. Once again, Alabama beat Georgia with elite offense. And if it wasn't for injuries of the receiving position, that natty could have been different. Ohio State almost beat him with an elite offense. So um, I look at who has elite offense this year. I think USC, Southern Cal, I think they have an opportunity. I'm high on them because of their quarterback and their offense. And if they can get a little bit better on defense with what they did in the portal, I think they could have an opportunity to be able to score points to, to, to make it a game. Um, Ohio State, depending on their quarterback situation, has the personnel once again this year to to win a game head-to-head with, with Georgia. I think LSU with Jaden and their receivers, a little bit better depth, should have a better opportunity if they face Georgia in SEC championship game. So, I mean, I would say that Alabama, I, I just don't think they have the, the horsepower on offense right now to do it. I don't know if this is one of your boys, so apologies if it is. Um I thought it was incredible what Todd Munkin did in terms of diversifying that offense yep. uh, a, a year ago. The, the way he got Stetson Bennett in position to make plays, um, the way they used the, the tight end spot. Mike Bobo coming back as the offensive coordinator does not strike me as, as an upgrade or a lateral move yep. at that spot. Tell but, me why I'm wrong. But, but is anyone at an at a equal level of Todd Munkin after what he did last year? I mean, name, name, one, name one coordinator out there. That isn't a, a already at a, a a powerful position, either a head coach or a guy that's on a, a top team that would have left to go make that that move anyways. It's not like there's a million coordinators out there that you can just pick and say, "Come on over." Like that's at an elite level. I mean, but if there's anybody that could steal a coordinator, it feels like Georgia would be that team right now. Yeah, like if you want to say, like, oh, you know, should Georgia have maybe gotten Tommy Reese instead of Alabama? Would they have been? I'll, I'll say this. I'll say, okay, Maybe I'll, the better question is, how do you feel about Mike Bobo yeah. and, and his play calling and kind of what he's done? Because to Let, me, I mean, let's not go. Let's go back to when Bobo was the offensive coordinator at Georgia. We were one of the best offenses in America. I mean, we we were one of the top offenses every single year in the SEC. I broke every SEC record. We were scoring close to forty points per game. So what happened? He went to he went to Colorado State. Colorado State it, that's a dead end. It's yeah. a dead end. And I I think their offense was fine. It was more the defense I got him there as a head coach. Their defense was god awful. Uh, you go to South Carolina, who didn't have a quarterback. I mean, let's go. They they were playing receivers at quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback. That's the big issue. You go to Auburn, and he was handcuffed by Harson. It was Harson's scheme. You, you can't tell me when both your coordinators, one, you obviously you let go of Bobo, but then Derek Mason leaves and yeah. takes a pay cut to leave Auburn to go to Oklahoma State, that that isn't a toxic environment where the head coach wants complete control of the entire system. Like, wasn't given an opportunity to even make it in his offense at Auburn yeah. because of Harson. So, like, he hasn't had an opportunity to really shine like he did at Georgia. Now he's back, had an opportunity to sit behind Munkin. Now he's going to run his offense with his, I would say, more Munkin's offense with, you know, he'll mix it up a little bit here and there, I think, with more different personnel groupings, but with elite talent that he hasn't had since 2014. So I think it's, and, it's, and it's, it's, un- that it's unfair, it's unfair to judge Bobo. Because of the situations that he's been in, and I'll defend him. Like he's been in crap situations the past two goes. That's fair. I, I mean, I yeah. wanted to hear that from somebody yeah. who you know maybe has a, a little better grasp on that. Only a minute left. He's got a weapon in Brock yeah. Bowers. Um, well, it's not just Brock. 
in the receiver. Oh, there are lots of weapons. Yeah. I mean, Brock's a freak. And I love the tight end spot. You know, I was in Kansas City when, when Kelsey got going his second year in the NFL and seeing how Coach Reed moved him around. I was like, man, this is a hell of a position. But it's, it's Brock. It's, it's Lovett. It's McConkey. It's, it's, um, Ra Ra. It's Arian Smith. I mean, they are just, it's more talent than Georgia's ever had at the skill position with an elite offensive line and with a quarterback who I'm, I'm, you know, I've already put my money out in the win the Heisman. So I think this is an offense that could be top two, maybe even the best offense in the SEC when it's all said and done, especially with the schedule they got. I think I just heard Aaron Murray say that he thinks Georgia's got a chance in yeah. 2023. A little bit. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, hey, you do great work, man, and uh, really appreciate uh, the visit with you. Ooh, thank you guys for having me on. Enjoy the rest of the week here. Aaron Murray, former Georgia Bulldog, former NFL quarterback, and now he talks about it all. Uh, joining us on Radio Row at SEC Media Days. we got more coming up. If you, our coverage continues after this. It's brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. All of our guests on Sports Talk Mississippi have appeared on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Big thanks today to Ryan Brown from the next round. The commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. Peter Burns from the SEC Network. Same thing for Takeo Spikes, also with the SEC Network. And Aaron Murray, who uh, is calling some college games and works with SiriusXM as well. A lot of uh, great content and more of that coming for you tomorrow on the final day of SEC Media Days. Today it was Alabama and Arkansas, Florida and Kentucky. Tomorrow, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and South Carolina on the final day of uh, Media Days here in Nashville. Uh, mentioned to you earlier, we've got a uh, conversation with Gary Danielson coming up tomorrow. We'll visit with Lane Kiffin, DeAndre Prince, Quinshawn Judkins, Cedric Johnson, uh, Chris Spencer, a former Ole Miss player, now former NFL player who calls Nashville home, David Cutcliffe, Mm, Jay, I'm not sure what all else we're going to put in there. That's a, a busy show already, but we've got some other stuff uh, to bring to you as well. Um, fun day today. Fun day today. Sun finally came out. We've yeah. had a, It's been a terrible day outside. We're not outside, obviously, so it didn't impact us Thank at all. But it's that. nice to see the sun a little all, bit. All I brought was slacks. Huh? He said, we're not outside. I said, thank goodness for that. All I brought was slacks. I thought you wore shorts the other night. Did I miss a reference? I mean, we're just making jokes here. You know, it's just, did, just did cracking I, jokes. Did I miss a reference? No. Oh. No, you just blew my joke though. It just took it and just went get out of here with that. There you go. First you no sell, now you're just you're just killing me. Complain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a lot to complain about. Our coverage of SEC Media Days is brought to you by Genteel. No complaints there. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi as you get ready for football season this fall. Make sure that you've got something from the Collegiate Collection at Genteel 
bunch of team logos, and it's not just Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They've got Alabama, they've got Auburn, they've got Missouri, bunch of schools from the SEC. Check out the Collegiate Collection online at genteelapparel.com. Missouri is so random. I'm glad they have it, but so random. Um, Blake, mm-hmm. who is co-founder of Missouri? Missouri. Uh, I'm sorry. Is he, well, co-founder he's co-founder, he's of, co-founder Missouri. of Missouri? The state or the <laughs> so university? How old it's is a he? really big deal. Uh, no, Blake Dubinsky is co-founder of the company uh, and grew up a Missouri fan. Let's okay. There. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. I get it. Well, they might have been the first collegiate property they, they might had. have been, yeah. Uh, all, all together possible. Uh, what did we learn today? We learned that Nick Saban likes carrot cake. And that's our first and most yeah. important takeaway. And he's comparing his is quarterback it? competition to baking a baking cake. A cake. So he came in with cake on that, his mind today. That Grandma Saban made. That Grandma Saban made. Do you think that's what he called her? I bet she was Nanny Saban. Nanny Saban. Na na, na 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 nanny. Yeah, I, you should have asked him that. Well, you, I, you I, I didn't get you up there. You should have moseyed over to the room and said, "Hey, I just said just to follow up point of order. What was did you call her Grandma Saban, or did you have a a, a more?" I would have told him I was name. I was from Holding Call, Alabama. <laughs> Somebody needs to ask Lane Kiffin his cake preference tomorrow. Let's make it go full circle. Well, Richard Cross is going to have a a long conversation with him. Just just put it in there. Hey, just uh, one other thing, Lane. Uh, what's your favorite kind of cake? I you know what I want out of that? I want him to look you dead in the eye and go. Pie is better. I like pie. You know, he'd probably give you a better answer from that question than when you ask him about quarterbacks. Yeah, you probably you might, you might get a few minutes out of him on cake, possibly. Yeah. Although, you know, it, where's the best chalk cake this in Oxford? Up into something that means nothing, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. When we, I haven't done my ballot yet, but when you guys did your ballot for all SEC teams, mm-hmm. uh, the schools submit who they want to be nominated. Yeah. There's only one quarterback from Ole Miss. Yeah. You need to get him on that. So, But that means nothing, but it tells you, as Richard's been best saying, Best cake for in Oxford. Uh, my mother-in-law makes a chocolate sheet cake that is really? spectacular and has basically passed the recipe along to... Oh, it's an old recipe. Yeah, it's family okay. recipe. Okay, okay. I, I, I can buy into it. And my, my Ava Montgomery, my 13-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. has... Perfected it. Really? It is spectacular. Next time I'm at... It, it's about that thick. Okay. Next time I'm at Stately Cross Manor, I want a piece of cake. But the thing is, it's like, it's this big tray, and so yeah, people... It's a sheet cake. Yeah, it's, it's a sheet okay. cake. Okay. And you know when that thing tastes really good? Mm. About one o'clock in the morning <laughs> when you get up and you have to let the dog out, and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. He's going to get a little bite go, here. A little peel, nibble. Peel back the aluminum foil and go go to work on a fork. And then you got to make sure the edges are straight. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, no, know, I understand. There, there's, I, there's some I know how to, to I know how to hide, uh, you know, late-night food addictions. I'm not really trying to hide anything. I'm just trying to eat. give myself an excuse to eat a little bit more of it. I'll cut a piece of it, Jimmy, like, it's a large piece of cake. I'm like, well, it's thin. You're, you're a large man. It's, uh, it's like six You know what she's saying when she asks that question, right? What? Large piece of cake. She's yeah. saying. She's saying. You're fine. Yeah, it's a large piece of cake, right? Not the not the healthiest thing. She's saying you're fine. Giving a a little hint there, a little elbow. Yeah, I know. I should work out more. But well, you just you, shouldn't we all? You should just make you like ask. Do you want a piece of cake? And when she says yes, give her a bigger piece. Thank you for. I don't know if relationship advice from you is my best plan. <laughs> I've been married longer than you. Yeah, it's because you're older. Oh, we're going to start the day, with, finish the day where we started it. <laughs> Old people slander. You hearing this, Houston? 
For Brian Haydad and Michael Borky and Houston McDavid and Will East, I'm Richard Cross, SEC Media Days. Day four, tomorrow, Ole Miss will be here along with Tennessee and South Carolina. We will wrap up our coverage, which is presented by Genteel. Thunder and Lightning on the radio coming up next. Good night. Incredible. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG gmployerservices.com A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production